At long last, I am able to say a few words of my own. Read my lips. Government is not the solution to our problem. Senator, good morning again in America. Well, look, Big Bird. Yes, we can. Government is the problem. Welcome to a conservative and a liberal walk into a bar, bringing you only the finest in political moderation this side of the Atlantic. My name is Matt, and I am a liberal. My name's Tim, and I'm a conservative. We are rocking the late night, late Saturday night after a big day. Did the caucus thing out in Nevada, a little primary out in South Carolina. We're going to talk about both of those, and we're going to talk about some other stuff. I'm not going to give you a preview right now because you know you don't need to know that. You just need to sit down, turn everything off. Accept us and listen, and that's what you're going to do for the next 60 minutes. Thank you for joining us. How are you, my friend? Now that you're back, you're back stateside. You're I am back, back stateside. I'm very, very happy about it. Good trip. Family well? Yeah. Oh, family's good. Happy and content. Just got to hang out with some, some friends today, which was a lot of fun. And uh, Yeah, just excited to be here and eating American food. Man. Yeah. Yeah. We have good food. We do. No doubt about that. We so. really do. Well, it's been a, it's, it's, it, man, it is, I, you know, I was thinking about it earlier today, and this is, this has been a huge seven days. It said, what, you know, seven days ago, we lost Scalia, and, uh, and now today, South Carolina and Nevada, things are getting to be clearer, uh, on all sides. There's just been a whole lot going on. So, uh, we will jump right in and, and talk South Carolina. I'm sure you've heard by now. Uh, the Donald has won his second primary of the season by taking South Carolina fairly convincingly, uh, but not terribly surprisingly. The numbers were, right again, right about where they thought he would be. 35% Rubio and Cruz kind of duking it out there for second place. Uh, and Jeb suspending his campaign doing it much quicker i think than than anybody expected i don't think anybody expected him to come out and do it tonight but you know he really didn't make any noise didn't had spent a lot of money in both north carolina and or not north carolina south carolina and uh and new hampshire and just didn't get anywhere yeah i I don't think this is a surprise i mean everyone knew south carolina was bush's firewall he he was supposed to win if he was going to win a state, it was going to be South Carolina. The Bushes always won South Carolina. This is where Bush Sr. mounted his uh, his uh, great movement forward. Uh, w did the same. And this, if Jeb was going to do it, this was the place. He didn't do it. And knew it was done. So good for him for accepting it and moving on. Well, I'm not surprised that he dropped out. I was a little surprised he did it tonight. I sort of thought that he'd come out and, you know, We'll we'll reevaluate and and then come back and then maybe Monday you know we'd get an announcement but uh, no the fact just the fact of him dropping out didn't surprise me uh, and I'm not surprised that the other two you know Carson is what is he just, doing I, get, get out are stuff, you serious but he says he's going on he actually made an announcement saying nope he's not done oh my gosh he is playing the little guy card i don't know if you've heard or noticed or not but he's he's you know he's he's doing this thing where i don't understand there's so many people coming out and they're so interested in what i have to say but they're not coming to vote and i think it's probably cnn's fault is that your Carson? Is that what, is that what that is? Is that your don't Carson? You think? Is that good? Was that was that was that a good I mean, Carson? it was okay. It was okay. It was okay. Just not, not, yeah. I mean, I'll yeah. work on it. 
But no, that's the card he seems to be playing. He, he acts as though, you know, there's all like, he's so baffled that there's all these people that really like him and, you know, but then they're not coming out to vote. You know, I'm, I'm sure John Huntsman says the same thing uh, when he wakes up. In the no, morning, no so. one came out for anything for Huntsman. <laughs> oh, they didn't. Okay. Except for the media. He was, Kasich is, is just like Huntsman. Huntsman was the media's favorite Republican, just like, just like Kasich is. He's the media's favorite Republican and, um, you know, it's just not happening. You know, it's 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 baffling to me the amount of um, I I don't know the the tr- the treatment of Kasich and 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 Bush has been Bush not so much Bush is because Bush is kind of old news but because he's a Bush you know and he was just going to struggle in this climate um, and Kasich just seems to be getting the treatment is that like, I've actually heard some commentators on CNN say he's just not interesting enough. And that's why we're not paying any attention to him. The other night after the set of, second set of, of town halls that, that CNN did, I don't know if you saw, but they did CNN did two town halls, one Wednesday night, one Thursday night. And Wednesday night was Rubio mm-hmm. Cruz and uh, uh, Carson. And then Thursday night was Trump and Kasich and, and Bush and all of them were very good. Uh, but, uh, this happened at just after the whole Donald and Pope thing, which we'll talk about later, but the entire night they wrapped it up and there was an hour's worth of post coverage after the Kasich Bush Trump town hall. They didn't bring up Kasich and Bush literally until the last 10 minutes. And yeah, that was I- when one of them said, Oh, by the way, we heard from Bush. They spent they spent almost three hours with these three guys, and they only talked about Trump in the post show. That was it. And they yeah. led right off with Donald Trump to fight with the Pope. Is this the moment where Donald Trump, you know, finally goes too far? And then more people weigh in with, well, I don't know. Maybe it is the moment where Donald finally goes too far. And how many times time, have we heard that phrase? One, I, how many times have we heard it? And two, it doesn't take a genius to look at South Carolina and go, they don't give a shit what the Pope thinks down there. They don't. There's like five Catholics in all of South Carolina. They even, <laughs> they even remarked on that, that the po- the Catholic population in South Carolina is very small, very small. And that's overall. And about half of them are probably Democrats at this point. So, no, of course. I mean, I think Donald Trump could walk up to the Pope and kick him in the nuts, and I don't think South Carolina would care. And yeah, frankly, no, though, I, I, yeah, I don't. But which is the yeah? We'll we'll talk about that later. But I mean, you know, I uh, in from a Democratic standpoint, Hillary Hillary beat Bernie. It was not a thumping like was she was pulling out a though. while ago. But it was, yeah, it was. It was a solid five point, you know. Yeah. Solid, she beat solid it. Win. I mean, straight out. So, it, it was a good solid win for her. Yeah. Uh, you know. So we'll see. I think that's more interesting than anything on the Republican end, uh, except maybe for Rubio beating. It looks like he's beaten Cruz at this point, at least one that I saw. It looks like he's, you know, a couple tenths of a percentage point ahead of Cruz. So I, I think a second place win for Rubio is a, a reasonably big deal. Yeah, well, he oh he already made it a big deal. You know Rubio. Nobody can turn a negative into a positive like Rubio can. Uh, at this point, he's he's turning into Bill Clinton in that respect. <laughs> well, he, 
He didn't really make much of a positive out of his thumping in New Hampshire or in his well, wretched debate performance, but hopefully no, he is. No, that's true. But, yeah, yeah, I was really – God, I enjoyed that. We didn't get to talk about that, which I was so upset by. I, I just yeah. – I, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. I wanted to drive to New Hampshire you and hug Rubio Chris Christie. So much. I hate him. <laughs> I hate him. I hate him. And I have a point for you. Marco mm. Rubio, according to GovTracks, who we were talking about his voting record, according to GovTrack.us, it's a, it's a website that tracks uh, voting records of senators. Rubio's voting record overall for missed votes is 14.4%. The median of lifetime records among currently serving senators is 1.7%. He is in the 99th percentile. Wow. Wow. He's bad. Like he's really bad from uh, since before he started running for he started his campaign in June of last year, beginning in uh, beginning in January of 2015. He has never done better than the 97th percentile on a quarterly basis. So that's that's like your one job. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's all you have to do. And honestly, since July on that same quarterly basis, since July of 2013, the best he's done is 76th. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And that's two years before he started running for president. So don't no. I, I, you know what? And I watched his town hall performance the other night and you know what? There are moments where I can kind of sit, kind of see, Kind of just a little bit where there may be enough independence to drink the Kool-Aid where he could give uh, 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 Hillary or maybe Bernie uh, a run for their money. But he I'm sorry, I'm not buying it. And I am not going to be one of those people. This guy. No, 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 absolutely not. No. Well, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I like Rubio. I've said that a million times. He's he's but he's a better choice than Cruz or Trump. Well, there you go. He, that's all I got. By the, by the numbers, you're right. Here's some more numbers for you. You look at, at, at 538.com, you know who this guy is, Nate Silver. Yeah. Awesome from a prediction standpoint. If you look at the top three, right? Because right now you've basically got to look at this as a three-horse race. You've got Trump, Cruz, and Rubio, right? Yeah. So those of those three, uh, against Hillary Clinton, because, again, I'm not drinking the Bernie Kool-Aid. It ain't going to be Bernie. Y'all keep on doing what you want, but Bernie's not going to win the win the nomination, let alone the presidency, so just get over it. Wow. All um, right. That's bold. It, it, okay. That isn't happening. No, it's not. Uh, so against Clinton, it's going to be Clinton versus somebody. You know, you, I, like, you're making that declaration on Trump. I'm going to make that declaration on Clinton. It's going to be Clinton. So Clinton against those three. If you look at, like, the key demographics, you know what people talk about, like, you know, college educated whites, moderates, Latinos, blacks, you know, s- seniors, whatever, all of these, they, they picked out seven different key quote, key demographics. The best that Trump does in any of these demographics against Clinton is he loses by four points. Mm-hmm. That's as good as he does. The worst is against, of course, Latinos. Uh, where he loves to say, they love me, they love the, they love Latinos, the Latinos, they, they love, love me, they love me, they love me, they work for me, they love me. We're going like to make America so great, so great. We're going to build a wall, Mexico's going to pay for it. Cruz only wins in two of those demographics. Uh, Rubio actually wins in four of them. Not convincingly, but he does win. 
in four of them. So he's you know, he's got a shot. Wow. Yeah. He doesn't he doesn't now the interesting thing is he does not win a game amongst Latinos. <laughs> in fact, he yeah. does the worst in in Latinos losing by thirty four percent. Well, I mean that's the rub, right? One, he's Cuban, which is a whole different brand of, of Latino. Uh, and then on top of that, a lot of the Cubans themselves don't like Cruz because he's you no, know, no 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 this isn't Cruz this is this is Rubio oh Rubio so no sorry that's who I'm trying to say uh, well they don't like Cruz either but they don't like Rubio either though because of um, the the type of Cuban that he is right he's not the Cuban who is wanting to build better relations and do all of those things he's from the uh, the group of Cubans who are extremely anti Castro and extremely uh, against all of the, 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 the steps that are currently being taken by this administration to repair relationships with them. Yeah, and he's really hardcore about that. He's adamant. Like, really yeah. hardcore about it. He went off yeah. on it during that town hall the other night. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've read that, you know, that he struggled with Latinos. I don't know that I realized quite that that was the reason. I thought it was just because that he was so wishy-washy on immigration. Um, well, I mean, that, that's the, the Cuban thing is a big part, but that's what I'm saying. Like it, it, his immigration status doesn't help, but the fact that he's Cuban doesn't suddenly get him all this Latino street cred, right? Because Cuban is, it's kind of its own separate entity a little bit. It's like, it's like being from Texas. (laughs) 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 That's a a whole different kind of American, you know, like, um, so that's true. Although I did see an interesting poll work that had Clinton beating Trump in Texas, and this poll was only a couple of days old, which I would not have thought. I would have thought surely Trump would win Texas against Hillary, but I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I I got nothing. Uh, man, a lot of there's a, there may be some folks that like Trump. There are a lot of people that hate Trump. So yeah, this I, is this I, is I, I think Trump wins uh, the Republican primary because it's it's been so split. The only chance to beat him is for a quick consolidation. Uh, but once you get into a general election, I, I don't think it's possible for Trump to win unless Bloomberg runs. And then that introduces a, an X factor that could that could give him the election. OK, now that's gone quiet lately. Oh, in well, the last sort week. of. I, mean, I haven't was, heard anything new about it in the last I, I haven't heard anything new from Bloomberg. Now, The Economist just ran an article on it. Uh, in their in their latest edition, uh, yeah. so I mean, it's certainly still floating around out there. And it, like okay. I said, he's you know he, he he's waiting to see. He's kind of he's waiting to see what happens. You know, he really wants to run if it's Sanders versus Trump. You know, that would be his main impetus for running. But if you got Rubio versus you know Sanders or Rubio versus Clinton or Clinton versus Trump, I I think it's unlikely that that Bloomberg runs. Well. Then, then, then I think it's unlikely because it ain't gonna be Sanders. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Fair I enough. There you go. It is. That's it. So, well, uh, next up really would be Scalia. Um, obviously, by now everyone knows a week ago Anton and Scalia uh, passed away. Uh, funeral was this afternoon. Um, Obama did not go to the funeral. I don't know if that's a big deal. There were some people. Fox News was making a big deal out of it. I think some of the candidates might have made a big deal out of it. What did you think of that? The fact that he didn't go. I didn't think it was that big a deal. 
Um, I mean, I think I would want to know why, you know, I mean, if he had some sort of major conference or something, then I think that's understandable. If he was just sitting around at the White House, well, then maybe it should have gone. <laughs> uh, I mean, he went to the visitation. Oh, well, well, then there, there you go. You know, I went to the visitation. I, I, I don't think that's an issue, honestly, of all the people out there who made comments on Scalia's death and the way they handled it. Obama really did it with more class. Um, than anybody on either side. So, um, I, okay. Be, see, it, I kind of thought, it would be, it would thought be hard that for me to get mad at him. This, this was like the one symbol of class aside from maybe Kasich. Uh, he was pretty classy about it in the debate, but yeah, other was. than that, everyone's behavior was pretty disgusting. So I'm, I'm uh, yeah, not going to get mad at Trump, at Obama for not going to the funeral as long as he went to the visitation. See, I was amazed that nobody else really brought that up because Obama didn't really, and, and he still hasn't really bought into, I mean, he, well, no, that's not true. Later on in the week, he has. But his initial response was to come out, eulogize the guy very graciously, and then basically say, I have a responsibility to make a nomination. I'm going to make a nomination, and I hope the Senate will consider. And then he took off. That was it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, McConnell, the guy's body wasn't even cold. And McConnell had already said, we're not going to consider anything. Let the American people decide, blah, 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 blah. And let me just say this. I am. It never ceases to amaze me how fast the people on the right get on message immediately. I mean, it was like, this, again, homeboy's body wasn't even cold. And they had two things out. The 80-year precedent thing, which is crap, by the way. And... Uh, uh, let the American people decide. These two things all of a sudden were spotted. Yeah, by well, the Koch brothers run everything, so they 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 set everything up and they get the message out to so us. They just program that chip in. And I mean, it's, it's programmed a- right into our cell phones, so <laughs> we're we're gonna let the American people decide um, based on the eighty year precedent. So Rubio's chip didn't malfunction this time like it did. Yeah, no, he <laughs> got he got the message just like everyone else. So. <laughs> I mean, say, do, do, do you not, come on, I mean, I'm not, I mean, it, it, there, because there's a part of me that's impressed, I, because I think it's, I think it's a failing in a way of the Democratic Party, and that they can't get everybody on message, and yet you have the Republicans who amazingly managed to get everyone on message right away, it's, I, I, when I say I'm, I'm amazed, I'm, it's not really a criticism, it's kind of a compliment, because um, it's a little freaky sometimes too but uh the first thing i want to say is just to cut through all of this rhetoric nonsense and because my my take on this is that 90 percent of what's gone on in the last week has just been it's 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 all smoke and it doesn't actually mean anything the the fact that the first question out of the moderator's mouth is do you think the president at the the debate last week was do you think the president has the ability to, should have the ability to make a nomination, which is a stupid question. Of course, the president has a, has the ability to make a nomination. It's immediately implying that for some reason, this guy is, is not really the president for some dumb reason. Of course, he's got the, and he's got the responsibility to do it. Now, that doesn't mean that the Senate has a responsibility to confirm the guy. They don't. That's the Senate's job is to take votes. So, it's not really even a question whether or not he should make a nomination. Of course he should make a nomination. Well, why is that even a thing? 
Well, I mean, it's a thing because it's, you know, in, in an election year and in a, in a time of particularly partisan politics. And unfortunately, uh, this is yet one more battleground in that. Uh, it's ridiculous on all accounts to suggest that a president should ignore his responsibility for an entire year. You know, it's not like it's December, <laughs> you know, Uh I think exactly. that's, yeah. if, if he was to shirk this responsibility because he wanted to let the American people decide, then it would be setting a very dangerous precedent because then when it, when, when, when is too late for him, for a president to, to nominate one year, two years, how does this work? And then another thing the American people did decide, the American people decided in 2012 that Thank their you. president was Barack Obama. So he is doing what the American people wanted. They elected him for four years, not for three. Uh, now, does the Senate have to um, confirm whoever he puts forward? No, of course not. You know, they they, they should give hearings and give them a, a thorough check through. And if they don't like him, then, hey, you don't you don't vote for him. But all, all of the stuff about he should, we're not even going to hold hearings, we're not going to do this. That, that's ridiculous. That's not how the system works. Don't do it. Um, there's there's a lot of talking back about how like uh, I guess Obama tried to wanted to filibuster Alito um, the that that's the big one I think that they'll point to that and be like look at this see what they did there um, but that, that's I feel like that's a completely different thing that was one candidate you know it's not like they were trying to say that Bush shouldn't nominate anybody they were very strongly against this one candidate uh, so I mean if some Republicans you know, really don't like the person that, you know, Obama puts forward and they want to filibuster. Fine. Great. That's what you do. But not, not, not when you don't say that he can't even hold hearings. That's, that's ridiculous. Well, and, and do you think that some of this was them trying to go on offense before he can put, before he can put them on defense? Because frankly, however, this shakes out, if they try to carry this to its natural conclusion, the way that they want to do it, which is to not even hold hearings then that immediately puts them in a, in a, in a bad spot during the general because that then the democratic candidates, both, uh, you know, on Senate cards, on house cards, on the presidential card can all say, look, this is more Republican obstructionism. Just look what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it would look like Republican obstructionism. Um, and also, this, this is a very self-defeating game that, that we're playing here, you know, because of the situation, because Obama does, you know, Obama wants to get someone confirmed. So the, the Republican Party has a lot more leverage right now. You know, we can we can make Obama put forth a moderate candidate, more than likely. Now, Obama might go crazy and put forth some uber liberal that has no chance of passing, uh, maybe even just to try to make the Republicans look bad, but I don't, I don't think that would be the result if he puts no, forth a ridiculous candidate. There's but a lot of likely, talk that he could, yeah, that he could it, put somebody forth that they really should think about. Right. More than likely he's going to put forth a fairly moderate candidate, uh, in which case we, we should, we should, we should put him on the board because if we wait, um, then we're looking at, very likely, the very likely possibility that we're going to have a democratic, another democratic president. So at best, we're going to be in the exact same position. Only now we have to, we have to confirm somebody because at this point it will have been a year in which we were short of judge. But also, there's there's very much the possibility that we're going to lose the Senate. 
You know, that, that is entirely possible. And then what's going to happen? We're going to get some uber-liberal activist judge. So come on, let's let's play the hand we're given and take advantage of the fact that we can get a good, moderate judge out of this very liberal president. See, that that right there was has been my point this whole time, is that it's they can roll the dice on this, but they run the risk of, of getting a really hardcore liberal if they try this. Yeah. Like Whereas this. more likely we'll get, if we go with Obama, we'll get another moderate judge, probably in the vein of Kennedy, who, you know, kind of Republican, but definitely is willing to go the other way. And I think that's the sort of candidate that we would end up with if we if we took who Obama gives us. So suddenly our court would would now be a little bit more mixed with it, which I think is nice. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I and I think it's a good thing. I um, the, the, the other thing, the one thing that I want to put up is, is, is this idea that, that I want to talk about is this idea of this 80 year precedent thing that the Republicans are putting out and the Democrats are trying to push back on in this ridiculous sort of manner by bringing up, uh, Kennedy, I think, is it Kennedy? The guy that, that was confirmed in 88, it's Kennedy, right? I think so. Yeah. So Kennedy's nomination. First of all, the big reason, and don't let anybody don't let anybody give you this eighty year president argument precedent argument because there is no argument. There is no eighty year precedent. First of all, an eighty year precedent is not an American precedent. That's just to say, in the entire eighty year history of the United States, this has never happened. Crap, because you know we're a little older than eighty years. That's point number one. Point number two, the reason the the way that they're fighting back on this with the Kennedy, the, the Democrats are fighting back on it with the Kennedy nomination doesn't actually count because the, the same rules don't apply. That seat would have not been, was not actually vacated. Uh, that seat came open in the summer of 87. So it had been uh, open and they had been trying to get someone in there for a good six months before they finally got Kennedy in, in 88. So technically, yes, he was confirmed in 88, which was an election year, but he was not nominated by any stretch of the imagination anywhere near Reagan's quote, lame duck status. Uh, and by then everybody knew Bush was going to win anyway. So whatever, uh, it wasn't technically lame duck. So there was no argument there. Wait, uh, whose argument are you trying to make our argument or the Democrats? Because I'm, that fighting, our I'm fighting back on both arguments. That's I'm, again, I'm fighting back on both because the way the Democrats are fighting it is, is, is ridiculous because that's not an argument. Okay. The other right. thing okay. is yes. that, but the, the real Agreed. thing, the real point is, is that the reason there is no precedent for this is because this really hasn't happened. This exact circumstance where a justice died and the seat was open, justices don't die in office very often. It really hasn't happened, you know, I mean, in the, the overall history of the court, percentage-wise, this is not the norm. They generally retire, and they generally leave time to get the seat filled before they take off. This is really kind of a unique, an extremely unique circumstance. Uh, in the past 80, 90, 100 years. And that's why. It doesn't have anything to do with setting precedence. It just has to do with the fact that it hasn't happened, which is not a precedent. It's luck. So knock it off. Yeah, exactly. This just hasn't come about again. And the last time that it did, 80 years ago, uh, then they confirmed them. You know? I, I yeah, mean, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, there, there's no 80-year precedent in all of this. No. It's not, not like you can never, you cannot point to a single time that a president has had a Supreme Court judge either die or retire 
in the middle of an election year and that president has gone, you know what, I'm not going to do this because, you know, you shouldn't do because that's not right. That, that has never happened. No, it hasn't. And and the other thing that really hasn't happened is the fun fact. Let me just go ahead and put this out because I don't think anyone else has. Um, yeah, Eisenhower, Eisenhower made a res- a recess appointment, the exact sort of thing that undoubtedly, if Obama did, the Republicans would be beyond up in arms in oh, 1956. How I read about this. Yeah, Eisenhower made a details. recess appointment of William Brennan. He was nominated and confirmed after Eisenhower then won the election. But he did a recess appointment. Yep. Awesome, huh? Yeah, and you're absolutely right. If Obama tried that crap, oh my God, I think McConnell's head would explode. I think it's entirely possible that all of Fox News would explode. That all of Fox News would explode. And Eisenhower, da-da-da-da, Republican. So, I mean, (laughs) come on. Yeah, if you want to play this game, that's that's the other thing is that like they want to go back, you know, they'll they'll go back to like what Chuck Schumer said in 2007. And then the Democrats will go back to something somebody said in 96 or 97 or 98, something during the Clinton administration. And then the Republicans will go back to, well, you know, we'll go back to Robert Bork or we'll go back to Clarence Thomas or, you know, and then go back to you, you can play this game going all the way back to the Washington administration if you want. This backwards and forth of you started it. No, you started it. No, you suck. No, you suck. Let it go, people. It there's no. This is this is not a game. Okay, this is this is our. This is a branch of our government. Is a very small branch of our government. Is a man down, and it's and it's going to stay that way for a year, unless these people do something about it and stop playing these childish sort of games, which is what they're doing. And I'm not saying that it's just Republicans or just Democrats, they're all doing it, but don't let them fool you into thinking that, you know, there, there's some kind of big smart conspiracy. There's not, it's a bunch of 60 year old men running around behaving like children. So yeah, well, because let, let, let's be honest. I think that in the current political atmosphere, if roles were reversed, Democrats would be doing something very similar to what the Republicans are doing. That doesn't make it right on any side, but I, I do think that Democrats would do something similar given well, the current and, environment. And they did. They basically threatened to do the same thing to Bush. That's why I bring up Chuck Schumer is that, you know, they're all going crazy about what McConnell said. And no, I thought what McConnell said was in very bad taste, mostly because he did it like an hour after the word hit the newswire that Scalia was dead. Yeah, that was wretched. That was, that was horrible, you know, and, and, uh, and I don't say that just because, you know, I disagree with Mitch McConnell politically, which God knows I do, but I think it was in bad taste, period. And I would be saying that if the roles were reversed and it was a Republican president and uh, that was a Democratic uh, leader of the uh, Senate majority or, or leader of the Senate. Um, but uh, the... Uh, you know, the Chuck Schumer basically said in 2007, we should not appoint, we should stop holding com, uh, confirmation hearings on Bush's judicial appointees. Now, this was not a, this was not a uh, uh, seat on the Supreme Court. This was just all of his judges that Schumer was suggesting they stop uh, holding hearings on. So, which is equally disgusting and equally childish, frankly. Do your freaking job. You got one job. Do it. Agreed.
So anyhow, that's enough negativity. Let's go on to our round of applause for the week. Uh, who do you have, my friend? I'll let you go first. Who you got? You know, I as much as I, I have been annoyed by CNN and their coverage of everything because I, I as a cable cutter, I, I don't cord cutter kind of. I, I don't have any other source of. I, I have one news channel and it's CNN. Um, I, I was really impressed with the Republican town halls that CNN did. I thought they were they were outstanding, um, and they've done they did Democratic town halls too that were very very good. Uh, but these were a little unique in that they had, uh, you know, they split them up, had three candidates one night, three candidates the next night. They were just so different from the debates that we've seen, which have just been increasingly contentious and childish and just sort of uh, leading up to this last one uh, in South Carolina, which was, uh, or was it? Yeah, the last one that they did in South Carolina that was just horrible, just really horrible, leading to I thought what I thought was one of Kasich's worst moments with with the dude guys can't we all just get along thing, um, <laughs> which just didn't work uh, at all. But uh, these town halls were very you know they opened up very inter- you got very interesting more intimate moments with the candidates you got to really hear them talk about what they wanted to do what their plans were. Um, and you got moments of learning more about their human sides. Um, there were about 60 seconds in there where I almost kind of just a little bit liked Rubio. Don't worry. It passed. <laughs> it passed quickly. Um, All right, good. <laughs> and you know what? And then you find out stuff like, you know, uh, uh, John Kasich listens to 21 pilots and fallout boy. And I didn't roll my eyes when he, when he said it. And, you know, Rubio's into electronic dance music. Uh, you know, really, uh, I know, right. You just things you would never have, uh, have imagined. Uh, it was just, it, it was really interesting stuff and I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed them. So round of applause to CNN. I, I hope that they will, that both parties will encourage more of that kind of thing. Um, because I think that sort of format allows people to get into the heads of the candidates and understand them better than debates do. Uh, and I, I thought it was very, 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 very good. So round of applause to CNN for that. And to AC, because, you know, he's AC, and yeah. he just throws it down. <laughs> nice. Well, no, yeah, great. I, I like CNN. I certainly like Anderson Cooper. Um, I think you're right. I think that was an excellent format, and it definitely gave us a better look at the candidates. I completely agree. Uh, my round of applause uh, is, is going to go to Scalia. Uh, I had not given his actual opinions and such very much attention. I just always sort of heard in the background he was a very, very conservative judge, um, you know, and that a lot of times he was on the side of rulings that made me uncomfortable. But, you know, after after he passed away, I took some time to actually look at some of his opinions and uh, things that he said over the years. And, and came to understand him a little bit better, and I we his presence will will be greatly missed. Uh, I think he was a, a fantastic judge um, who who stuck by what he believed in uh, as far as how you should read the how you should read the law and how you should read the Constitution. Um, I think he he was a he was a strong voice and he was a good voice. He's such an interesting man, you know. I mm-hmm. I. He, I, I Look, let's face it. I don't agree with him at all. There's nothing I agree with that man on. I don't agree with his reading of the Constitution. 
I I could not think of one ruling, even though the ones that I read in the past. He was a bit of a supporter of uh, technology in certain circumstances. Uh, that and and his support of some of those things I thought was good. The open internet kind of thing. Uh, you know, supposedly there were some things where he may or may not have supported that had it come in front of the court. Uh, so that that interests me a little bit. But uh, I the idea that the Constitution is not a living document to me is just blows my mind. I don't understand that at all. But at the same time you look at the friendships that he forged with people that didn't agree with him. Not, not only did he forge them, but he encouraged them. He sought them out in a way. Uh, he, uh, obviously there was a very real relationship between him and, and Ginsburg, um, and their families. Uh, supposedly he and Elena Kagan were very, uh, were very, were getting to be very good friends. Um, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's the more people, more people need to think like that. More people need to approach this kind of discussion and look to people that disagree with them the way that I think he did. Sometimes I think he did look to people. He, he wasn't always looking for people that just listened, that just listened and sucked up and heard what he had to say and agreed with them all the time. Um, uh, and I, I, I applaud that. I really do. Um, you know, and, and there's a, as a, as a side note, the response by some of the people on the left about the fact the lower, you know, the smaller voices, people on the internet, it, you know what it, it doesn't in moments like that, this doesn't matter. The fact that, you know, he, uh, whether you agreed with him, didn't agree with him, liked him, loved him, hated him. You know what the guy's, this is, this is a guy that died. He had nine, nine children, umpteen grandchildren, a wife, and hundreds of very close friends. And these people are in mourning. For God's sake, respect that for once. Um, it's just kind of disturbing, some of that stuff. Uh, it, it really was. And we, we can go ahead and slide into our, into our WTFs because that's my the flip side of my round of applause. My WTF is to all of the disgusting comments that I saw by various liberals on Yahoo and on social media uh, in response to his death. You know, the worst ones I saw was that RIP asshole. Um, like, man, come on. Really? This guy gave 30 years of his life to the Supreme Court. And that's yeah, how, more than that that's how you're going to do it. Yeah. yeah, way more. And that, that, that was extraordinarily disappointing and, and highlighted for me the so often Republicans get portrayed as the, you know, we're the jerks, we're the mean people. But so many of the comments I saw were just absolutely disgusting. It, it reminded me of the way that I hear people talk about Bevan. And it's it, it was very disappointing and very upsetting. They were. It was. Yeah, it was. It really was. Um, you know, it doesn't, you know, because you, I, I just, again, you know, this is a guy that did something that most people in this world don't do. Gave his entire life to public service, period. And there's something to be said for that. He was not seeking power. This was not an office that he went after. It was a job that he was chosen for and he accepted. And all of the responsibilities that went along with it, uh, you know, it, and that's more than most people give. So, you know, 
like him, love him, hate him, whatever. You got to have at least a small amount of respect for that. And, and also just the fact that, you know what, this is a very public figure. I mean, he's died and it's sad. That's it. It, this shouldn't be hard. And I don't understand why it is that, or why it certainly seemed to be. It was just disgusting. Really. It really was the the whole thing on both sides was was a very disappointing moment in in American politics. So. Yeah. yeah. What what and what's your WTF for the day? Man, mine goes to you know, and because we, we're just gonna keep hitting on people on the left. I am so sick of Bernie and his groupies. I Bernie just, and I, his groupies. Now I'm, now what do I'm they do? Just tired of them. It's not it's not even progressives. It's just Bernie. You know this. I just it's so sick of these people. Just. Running around and, and and acting like they just these are people that are just showing up and and acting like they know something and like they're in on because they're in like it's so cool to like Bernie these days. Oh my god, people get over it. Just let it go for heaven's sakes. I've read it's two was things. There, was there something that specific that, that yeah? There that were two set things that brought off? this on. One, there was this. There was a sign at a Bernie rally recently that that said, "Finally, a reason to get involved and vote." Wow. Really? Finally, now there's a reason because you got a guy that you like that you think is cool. Bullshit. You should have been involved anyway. You're the kind of person to just go home because you're not going. You're not going to stay involved. Right now, you're part of something that you think is cool, so you're going to come out and try to hang out with the cool people, and then you're going to go home, and you're not going to be involved at all for the next four years. And if somebody who you don't think is cool isn't around in 2020, then you're not going to get involved. Shut up and get involved because it's important. It's always important. It's not just important now. It's going to be important on Wednesday after the election, too. It's going to be important a year from now and a year from then and the year after that and the year after that and the year after that. It is always important. It is always important for all of us to be involved because this is the one thing that we've got. And it's especially irritating to hear it from Democrats because Democrats should be winning elections way more than the Republicans do. And the reason Democrats don't is because of people like that that are too damn lazy to get off their asses when they're not engaged with something cool to come out and do their part and vote. That's why. Right there. That's right. And I'm and I'm tired. Take that. And I am so tired of it. That's it. I'm 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 exhausted with it. Um there you know so there was I don't know. It's it's not even worth going. It's not even worth going into the rest of it. That that sign alone was enough to just annoy the hell out of me. That and I I you know what? There's this whole thing that the Democratic Party does with the with the super delegates. You remember the super delegates from 2008? This this fascinates me no end. I mean, because this, this is legit the party. You know, they the, they I think they instituted this after McGovern. You know, they lost. The, the primary to a guy who they knew couldn't win the general election and the, the party elites said that's never going to happen again and created superdelegates so that now if someone like Bernie Sanders wins, the party elites can say, nope, never mind. Sorry, you didn't. So that that is fascinating to me that the Democratic Party is the party that has that sort of thing instituted in. Um, yeah, well, do, we'll we'll, do, we'll just we'll just see what happens when the party elites don't get their way and Trump gets the nomination for the Republican Party. Well, but so. we I mean, but we don't have a built-in format for. I mean, it would be one thing if he got more votes, but just didn't get sufficient delegates, uh, and then you know it had to go 
to the party the party convention and then he wasn't chosen you know i think that's different from you know a, a person winning the primary and then the party elites deciding no you can't have this uh there that's are- interesting it, it is and it isn't because everybody made the same argument over over Barack in two thousand eight. Right, but then they the realized that Barack could win. Uh, exactly. But I, yeah. I don't. I want. I'm interested to see if they'll make that same decision with Sanders, and if they don't, you know, will they override him? And then if they do, what is that going to do to the the Democratic Party? You know, we talk about the Republican as being Republican Party is you know falling apart at the seams, but I, I think if they actually took away the candidacy from Sanders, I, I think that could potentially do some serious damage to the Democratic Party. Maybe, but I don't, I, again, I don't think it's going to be a thing. That's one. And two, that doesn't mean that, I mean, there have been multiple reports from, uh, from, uh, of, from superdelegates that have not committed to Bernie that are basically getting, that have not committed to anybody or have committed to, to Hillary that are basically getting like Ted Cruz campaign style phone calls from, uh, from people uh, in Bernie's campaign or people who are supporting Bernie, calling them traitors, calling them horrible people, uh, knocking on their doors at all hours of the night and just haranguing these people uh, because they're not supporting Bernie. Uh, for one thing, if 2008 taught us anything, it's that you can beat the Clintons if you within the system. That's one. And two... It, you know what? For so long, again, I've said this. I said this last week. For so long, Democrats wanted to run around, and we had we had the high ground. People, we were the bigger people in the room than the Republicans. And now you're proving you all you've done is proven to me that you're not. I knew it anyway, but I was hope holding out hope. But you're not. You're just as bad as the Republicans right now. The Bernie Sanders crew is is frankly heading into Ted Cruz territory for me, and I'm getting sick of them. So. Wow. Now, I think all that should be said with the with the caveat that I, I feel like Sanders has in general conducted himself with with pretty much nothing but class. Um, I didn't you know, say Bernie. I said Bernie. There, there, there's been I the occasional I did say Bernie and his groupies. Thing. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll, I'll rephrase. I, I did not mean to say Bernie and his groupies. I meant Bernie's groupies. I didn't mean Bernie. No, Bernie in and of himself has been great. I, yeah, I think he's I, been pretty classy. He's had the occasional underhanded thing, uh, and, and Clinton called him on it in, in one debate. But overall, and he deserves that. He did. But overall, I, I think it's hard to it's hard for me to dislike Sanders personally from the from the way that he's handled himself. I think he's been very good. Yeah, I, I, would, I would agree with that. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, so I, I want to talk a little bit about what I have been referring to as this as, as the thing that really shouldn't that was a thing, but it shouldn't have been a thing because I didn't think it should have been a thing. But man, it was huge. Thursday night was this whole thing with Donald Trump and the Pope. Pope versus Trump. Pope v. Trump. You know, Frank versus the Donald. Um, the, the, uh, just to recap the Pope and, and this is also to be very clear because I, I, the Pope did not, regardless of the way the media was framing it, the Pope did not just come out and say, and by the way, about that Donald Trump guy, uh, he was asked very, a very specifically worded question by a reporter about some hypothetical person who might have said something about building a big wall against Mexico. And what would you have to say about that? And 
the Pope said, well, okay. Uh, I would say that building, talking about building walls instead of bridges. And that's person that's not, that's not in the gospels. And I would say that that person is not a Christian, but not having said, not having heard specifically what they said, I will give them the benefit of the doubt. How will I say, however, I will say that if one were to say things like that, you know, that's not very Christian or that man is not a Christian. And of course, Trump responded with a fire and brimstone statement initially saying, uh, when ISIS comes and attacks the Vatican, because everybody knows ISIS wants to come and attack the Vatican, they're going to wish that I was the president and blah, 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 blah. And, and it was just, it was just ridiculous. Now, Trump later on backed off, but I'm telling you, CNN talked about this incessantly. That was all they talked about all night long was... Well, uh, this is, I mean, this is the the anti-media Trump attacking the media's favorite person in the world right now, which is Pope Francis. So, you know, they, they wanted to make as big a deal as they could about it. Oh my goodness. I, now I think my, my, my personal opinion on it is, is that this is that exact thing is exactly why I don't think Trump's going to go away. And I think he's going to continue to get more play than everybody else because you would have thought that nothing else happened anywhere in the world. Nothing, not a thing happened anywhere. The only thing that happened on the planet earth that day was Donald Trump and the Pope getting into it. And that's the way the media is treating that his campaign. And I think that's exactly why no one is ever going to get another word in edgewise. And honestly, I think that's why he's going to win. Because the only thing they want to cover on the Republican side is Trump. Period. They don't really even want to cover anybody else. Yeah, well, it's super interesting. It sells, you know, it makes money. Uh, and Trump is Trump is certainly bringing out the vote. I mean, what was one stat I saw was, was South Carolina, that um, more people voted against Trump in this election than voted in the entire 2008 South Carolina primary. So more I mean, people voted against him. More people, more people voted people... against. More people voted against Trump in this year's South Carolina primary than in 2008's entire South Carolina primary. Huh. So I, I mean, you know, the media knows. You know, the media wants to make their money, and also I would imagine a lot of the people in the media legitimately dislike Trump, <laughs> and so are doing everything they can to get the negatives out there and to try to find that moment when Trump goes too far. Um, but I mean, it's it's not going to happen. Uh, the whole thing with him versus the tr- Pope is ridiculous. Uh, the Pope made a statement that you know nothing but class, wanted to give somebody the benefit of the doubt, um, but was very clear. And he also said he, he didn't say that if a person talks about building walls, he said if a person only talks about building walls and not bridges. So it's not even like the Pope said you can't have walls, you can't do this. But you just you have to you have to make sure that, you know, while you're talking about the need for security and border controls and all these sorts of things that you're also talking about ways to to reach out and to to build community, Um, which I I think the media and Trump lost in in their response to this whole issue. Mm. Does it as, as as a Catholic, does it bother you at all to. Because a, a lot of times, I mean, how much how much of a conflict is this for you? Because in in a lot of cases, then 
a lot of Republicans have come out and said that the you know the Pope doesn't need to be inserting himself into American politics, and this is actually even before this well, whole thing happened on Thursday. D- is there ever any conflict for you? Does it ever bother you? No. And does because, it bother people that, that you know? Idea, it bothers it, the idea of the Pope getting involved in politics, and the idea that this would bother anyone uh, to to me is ridiculous. Especially because the right the people who complain about. Pope Francis getting involved in politics are more than happy to have the Pope involved when it dealt with pro-life issues. They were thrilled to have the Pope involved. But now that the Pope is involved with something that they disagree with, they want to go, all oh, oh, the Pope shouldn't be involved in politics, blah, 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 which just demonstrates a complete lack of understanding of all church teaching and church history. The church has always been involved in the political field. You know, clergy are not allowed to run for office. That part is clear. But we are called as Catholics to be involved in politics. This is something that is expected for us to do. Uh, and so, of course, the Pope is going to speak up as a voice uh, in all in all. Um, in anything and everything that goes on in the modern world. This Gaudium et Spes, if I could pull out the quote for you, I would do it on the spot. But it speaks specifically to this idea that the church should not be involved in matters of the state. And it clearly says, yes, it must be involved. It is it is demanded of it that it be involved and that it speak on behalf of the poor and the vulnerable. Well, and this is, you know, I mean, this pope has been one you know what a lot of what he is i mean I, I i don't think it's a reach to say that his primary goal or or at least one of the goals of his papacy coming out has been to uh continue to draw attention to the poor and and outreach to the poor this is this is sort of sort of his thing um right hence and, the name yeah and uh what do you mean hence the name pope francis Francis. Oh, oh, Francis. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that, that for whatever reason, uh, that sort of a, a attention to that issue seems to rankle some Republicans. I, I and I don't, and I don't really get that. I Socialist. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe. Well, I, I mean, that's where a lot of the, Well, the problem is that a lot of times in the way that uh, maybe the attention gets drawn to the poor, it often can be done in a manner that was seen to promote socialistic programming. Um, And and but I I think that that's an unfair uh, viewpoint of what all the pope has said. You know, the pope has raised an eyebrow at some aspects of capitalism, which I think any Catholic or person, anyone should should raise an eyebrow at some aspects of capitalism. But I don't think that the Pope would argue that capitalism is by far the best economic system that, that we've come up with to date. Maybe at some point we'll come up with a better one, but for now it's the best one that exists. Um, but I, I think that's where some of the, you know, the, the, the frustrations come from. Uh, when you know when the Pope starts talking about the poor and you hear Republicans getting upset, I, I think it's because of a basic fear that when we bring this up, a lot of people's response to it is, "Well, therefore the government needs to get more involved." And anytime you anytime you're coming up with that as the solution, we're going to get a little frustrated. Well, uh, and any attack on capitalism is seen as an attack for some reason on America, 
and yeah. by even even implying that there might be this one thing or that one thing wrong with capitalism, then you're immediately proposing socialism. No. Right, which that's what I I think is a false, I think that's a false dichotomy for for people to say if if you're raising an issue with capitalism, well, therefore you're a socialist. No, I'm just pointing out that this is a a flaw in the system that we maybe need to try to find a way to address. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm... I, I I would I would tend to agree. Okay, I, I can see where that's the root of the issue. Um, so well, that's enough of the Pope. I think it's time to move on to quick hits. Uh, we'll do a quick rundown of some 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 smaller things that I saw this week. First up, uh, and this may not even be small. So if we wind up talking about this the whole time, that's totally fine. Apple versus the FBI. While well, we're in the midst of people versus something. Um, Apple has been asked by the FBI, by the government to unlock the iPhone of the San Bernardino shooters, and they are refusing to do it. Now they're under court order. Uh, Apple and all of the tech world is crying invasion of privacy, uh, anti, uh, uh, anti-government pro privacy. People are saying that this is an absolute invasion and, and an outrage. Uh, and, I, I didn't, what do you, what, before I say anything, what do you think? Well, I think that's an oversimplification of Apple's problem right now. I'm not a tech guy, so I'll, I'll leave this in, in your hands. But from my understanding of what Apple is saying, right? Apple is saying the problem is not whether or not we sh- should break into this one person's phone for you, right? If they, if there was some easy way for Apple to do that, they're kind of like, sure, of course, you know, we'd more than happy to help. There's a warrant, whatever. But the problem is, is that there's actually, it's actually currently not possible for Apple to do this, right? And so Apple is saying that in order to do this, they're going to have to create a software that could basically break into anyone's phone. And that technology currently doesn't exist. And that is a technology that we don't want in this world. Because that creates a backdoor that, if gotten into the wrong hands, would allow this person to break into anyone's phone. It's like creating a master key. And so they're trying to say, look, you, you don't want this. So we, it's not that we're refusing to help. It's that we, we can't help with the technology that's currently out there. And you don't want us to create the technology that would allow us to do it. Um, so I, I, that's, that's a very nuanced position and not being a tech guy, uh, I can't really argue with Apple about whether or not this is the only way to do it. So if that really is the only way to do it, then, you know, the legislature needs to step up and make some laws about what and make a decision as to whether or not they're going to allow the demand, these sort of encryption backdoors to be built in because that, that's a big debate on the trail right now, right? Should, should technology companies be required to create these encryption backdoors? And the tech world is saying, look, you don't want these kind of backdoors because this would then allow, um, people to, the, this, this sort of technology could get into the wrong hands and allow terrorists to be able to break into anything and everything. So I, 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 I guess if it, the situation is as Apple describes it, then I would tend to side with Apple. Well, I mean, it depends on where the data is as to whether or not I buy that. If, the, if all of the data, and I suppose they're probably, um, 
they're probably right in the sense that uh, that that's probably a correct thing. Which I, this is not. That's not what I heard this morning on the news. What I heard this morning on the news was that Apple. Uh, and again, by my version of the news, it's like I said, CNN uh, was that Apple basically was there. The FBI was trying to get into their account. Now, if they're just trying to get into the local phone um, and that's where everything is stored just on the phone and not in their iCloud account, which that's is what, what I'm has. reading. I'm okay. reading that it's on the phone itself. And that's what the FBI wants is the information that's on the phone itself. Right. Um, because Apple's been under a lot of fire the last few years about not having enough security to get in, um, which makes it difficult for me to, you know, sort of wrap my brain around the idea that there's no other way, way that they can allow you to get into this one specific phone, um, or that the 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 ability to hack iPhones has been all over the place for years. Now, what I'm reading just in the last thirty seconds is that this is new to this latest generation of iPhone, which isn't something that I was necessarily aware of. Um, so, I mean, I don't, you know, um, it doesn't, uh, I, it's, 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 it's a difficult, it's a difficult thing to me because I, I get the privacy side of it kind of, but then there's that ticking bomb argument, you know, the only way to get into this one thing is if there's a if there's a bomb going off or if a, you know if a nuclear bomb is about to explode and we got to get into this one thing and and the tech company goes nope can't do it you know uh, and then the bomb goes off you know who do you blame uh, is that a victory for privacy or is it a victory for the million millions of people that just died you know um, I I I don't know um, you know there's the that it's just it's a difficult thing but my honestly my tenants my my on one hand i kind of feel like there's got to be a better way than that because that's the one thing about technology is that there's always a better way and i refuse to believe that a company like apple can't come up with a better way has no other way of getting into that than to have we can't the only way we can hack this one phone is to hack all the phones but you're just, creating a technology, I, I, a software that would allow you to break into this phone. So therefore, why could that same software not be used to break into any and every phone? Well, but then why wouldn't there be other? I don't know. I, I, I guess that's the thing is that just by creating or that they have no other way of doing it. I guess what I'm saying is I don't entirely buy what Apple is putting out there. Well, and I'll, I have, and, a, hard, and that's I, I have a hard time. If I have Apple a hard time is full of it, then okay, sure. But if what if then maybe they should do it. But if it's as Apple is, if that is the situation, is as Apple's describing, then yeah, I, I think the legislature needs to decide whether or not they're going to require American security tech companies to have these sorts of encryption backdoors. Yeah, and well, and then if they do, and then they use them, you know. Can you really, you know, can you really say that, you know, well, they're, they were breaking the law by doing this or, um, you know, because the law encouraged them to make that kind of technology, you know, and if that really is the case, I just, my, my thing with my ultimate mistrust of technology is that I don't believe that there's never a better mousetrap. There's always a better mousetrap. Maybe so. And, you know, that's just, if, if the last 15 years have proven anything from a technology standpoint, I think that's, that's one thing that it's definitely proven to us. So I don't know. 
anyway, next up in the in the somebody versus something brigade, Matt Bevan, governor of Kentucky versus Planned Parenthood. And the last week, Matt Bevan, the governor of Kentucky, filed a lawsuit against Planned Parenthood over uh, allowing abortions in a new clinic in Louisville. Uh, this has been a, the, he has been going after them pretty hard since coming into, coming into office. Uh, this strikes me as the kind of pissing contest that each side was trying to get there first. And it seems like Bevan just found his trump card. Uh, the gist of it is, is that to me, the way that I read it is that Planned Parenthood was trying to get this clinic open in time by getting the licenses pushed through uh, fast enough before Bevan could take office. They didn't quite pull it off, but then the way the law is written that they have to be inspected before they can be given a license, but then they have to provide the service so they can be inspected so that they can be given the license. So they went ahead and opened up, started providing abortions so that they could be inspected and then go and then Bevan turned around and sued them for providing abortions before they could get the license. If you can follow that line of reasoning. Uh, uh, so I don't really know who to blame in this one. It's an interesting sort of conundrum and definitely it's definitely a government operation. <laughs> because right. It's this massive clusterfuck. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess, uh, you know, shocking, the, you know, pro-life governor is doing everything he can to prevent abortions from taking place in his state. Weird. You know, I, know. I, I mean, Matt Bevin is the, he, he's the elected governor. He won. This is what the America, this is what the people of Kentucky voted for. And he, he's doing everything he can to fulfill the wishes of the people that voted for him. So, you know, there you go. I, I don't necessarily, I, I don't know enough, you know, of exactly how the, the bureaucracy and all of that is supposed to function. Um, but it seems like if the governor does feel like he has an opening to prevent some abortions from happening and, you know, Planned Parenthood didn't quite cross all their T's and dot all their I's, then there you go. There's a way for him to do it, and he's taking advantage of it. Seems, seems pretty straightforward. Planned Parenthood didn't cross all their T's and dot all their I's because the governor who was in place before them made it so that it's almost impossible to dot all their T's and cross all their I's or whatever. It's, again, it's just, it's, it's, this is, it's, it, you can look at it as a, pro-life versus pro-choice issue, or you can look at it as the perfect example of government being government, which is kind of the way that I look at it at this point, uh, because it's just a mess. It's an absolute mess. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, and I would maybe be more willing to acknowledge that, okay, maybe Bevin, maybe Bevin is going too far this time. Maybe he's doing something obviously partisan or obviously whatever. But if the the liberals weren't so obviously angry at Bevin, right? I mean, it has been, he cannot do any, it's like listening to Republicans talk about Obama. He cannot do anything that gets their approval. It, it is nonstop. So this is, this is just, this turns into just one more time when the liberals are mad at Bevin. Well, duh. That's just kind of their state of being at the moment. 
Yeah, and so it holds no credence. It is. It's exactly like it is exactly like Republicans with Obama. Re- Republicans being angry at Obama just means that they woke up in the morning. It doesn't right. mean, and it, it holds no water at all. Uh, that's why all this mess about Scalia was really sort of disgusting because there was a death involved, uh, and you just want to go about it like you go about taking a piss. You know, oh my God, Obama had to use the bathroom. He's so liberal. Um, and yeah, never mind. So, uh, yeah, the, yeah, you're, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. That's, that's a really great way to put it. Actually. I hadn't thought about it that way. So, um, uh, one, one last thing that, that really, I don't think has gotten, it's gotten some play, but not quite as much as I had wondered. Uh, North Korea has been really particularly active lately, uh, with sort of, poking people in the eye to see how they react with the rocket launch and they're killing off more governors. And now supposedly they're planning a terrorist attack on Seoul. Their language against South Korea has really increased. Uh, I, I worry a little bit about North Korea. There's a part of me that actually worries a little bit more about North Korea than it does about ISIS. Uh, because I kind of feel like, It'd be really easy for us to take our eye off that ball. Well, you and Carson are in agreement so for once. So focused on the other side, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, that, that's Carson's whole thing. Well, Carson's not necessarily saying you know for that reason, but I think he's the one who's talking about how they, they are a very unstable element, and you need to get that under control. Um, so yeah, I, I think North Korea, North Korea is scary because they are so unstable. Uh, the only people who can really even have a hope of controlling them as China and China doesn't generally usually seem to have that much success at this point with controlling them. Uh, somehow I think the son is even crazier than the father. Um, and yeah, it's, it's scary. And hopefully, hopefully we will keep our, keep a close eye on everything. You know, everyone got really mad at Donald Trump for what, what did he say? He said he would seriously look into assassinating, uh, the president of South Korea. And everyone got really mad at him for it. I'll admit that same thought has gone through my head. <laughs> the president, wait, you mean the president of North Korea? You mean, you North mean Korea. Kim Jong-un? Right, okay. Kim Jong-un. Like, w- you know, why can't we just assassinate him? And like, that's, that, that, I, honestly, that thought has gone through my head. I mean, maybe I wouldn't talk about it in a debate or whatever the format was that he brought this up. But um, is there a reason we can't just, you know, bump him off? <laughs> <laughs> Is that is that frowned on or something in international <laughs> whatever's you know like? I would hope. I mean, I don't know. Now that I think about it, I mean, but I mean, isn't that sort of a slippery slope? I guess that would be the argument. That's uh, you don't do it because you don't want. Wow, well, it worked it out you. great in North Korea. Should we take out Putin next? You know, <laughs> uh, we'll reserve it for the really crazy people. Like obviously, Kim Jong Un is. Um, you know, and I don't. You know, I don't see that creating some massive, you know, this isn't like bumping somebody off in the Middle East. I don't think this would create some sort of massive power vacuum. You just, you just take it, take care of it. And then (laughs) boom, you got an army takes over and maybe South Korea, North Korea gets a little bit more stable. Honestly, I'm surprised South Korea hasn't done this. (laughs) 
Yeah, actually, that that in and of itself is a fair point. Why doesn't South? Can we just encourage South Korea to do this? Yeah, like we don't do it. We just get them to send in some some ninjas. You know, maybe just, that maybe that guy from Lost. He seemed pretty athletic. <laughs> like just send him in. <laughs> Let him take care of this for us. Something vaguely racist. I was just thinking the, that. I was like, that's that, 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 that comes off as vaguely racist. Uh, <laughs> if they were Irish, no one would say so. But just because they're Asian, I am coming off as racist. I don't mean to. I'm just trying to be funny. Sorry. <laughs> well, it's working. I think it's funny as hell. I, like <laughs> I think that's a good place to end tonight. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, yeah, that's... That's where we're going to get off this train. So uh, thank you so much for joining us. This has been uh, lots and lots of fun as always. Uh, I will end with my final thought being, as it always is, please go register to vote. Please, please, please go register to vote. Because I kind of hope that if you're listening to this, then you'll vote against Trump. And it really looks like Trump's going to win. So we need to not have him be the next president. So that's all I got. Anything more for you? Uh, go ahead and start accepting that Trump is going to be the Republican nominee and think about how you're going to deal with that in your daily lives. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start writing David Letterman letters and beg him to come back to television just for the length of this election. Just for that. Because I think he's missing out. <laughs> so. All right, folks, that's all we got for tonight. We'll be back next week with more election coverage, more moderate shenanigans. Thanks so much for joining us. You guys have a pleasant, pleasant evening. Thank you.